Welcome to the New York Now podcast, a modern wholesale market for retailers and specialty buyers seeking diversity and discovery. Gathering twice a year in America's design capital, New York City, it's where buyers and designers unearth a refreshed and dedicated collection of eclectic lifestyle products. Hi, I'm Dondra Glover, podcast host and senior producer for New York Now, and welcome to another episode of Journeys and Narratives in Global Handmade. And today, we journey to South India for a chat with Ndwela Pasla, co-founder of Heritage Weaves. For over 10 years, the social entrepreneur has been working with handlooms of India and establishing profitable social enterprise businesses for artists and communities, mentoring weaving families, and proving that handloom weaving is a highly viable livelihood income option for the region's younger generations of weavers. As an ECOT manufacturer, Undwala is preserving its authenticity and heritage in South India's extraordinary textile landscape all while inviting buyers, retailers, designers, and other handmade enthusiasts to experience textiles in 23 other regional crafts through exclusive tours throughout South India. Join me in welcoming Joella to the New York Now podcast. Good evening, Joella, and thank you for joining us today. Good morning, Donville. <laughs> How are you today? <laughs> oh, I am doing fine. I um. I'm really excited that we are having this conversation. Um, you and I connected last year. Uh, and finally, yes. here we are traveling through conversations uh, in journeys and narratives in Global Handmade. And you're in South India. Uh, yes. And it's, you know, the fact that you're joining us, I, and I know it's the evening there. So I really uh, appreciate you taking the time. And it's also such a pleasure to be kicking off our celebration of Women's History Month uh, with a conversation with you in South India. So thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me for this podcast. I look forward to having a very interesting conversation with you. Oh, I have no doubt. So one of the (laughs) things I I would, you know, you've had a really interesting and fully packed and deeply immersed career. I'd love to start off with that journey uh, to where you are now. Yeah, sure. Uh, I started uh, this journey in 2012. I'm a corporate dropout. In 2012, I took a break from my job because my son was not doing well. So I had some free time and I've met few weavers because I'm a handloom lover and I always used to wear handloom clothes. So once I met uh, a weaver and he said he has some problems with market connectivity. He's not able to sell uh, to other people. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I was very good at internet and technology and all that. So I thought, let me help him. So I tried uh, some online marketplaces and uh, tried to sell his products online. And to my surprise, those products sold within three days, you know. I bought some 10 products and they were sold out in three days time. So I went back to the weaver and I told him, uh, this online thing is much better for you because going to the market, traveling and uh, he opening a store is very expensive and there are a lot of logistics and financial burdens and all that. So selling online would be good, but the weavers are not tech savvy. So they didn't know how to sell online and all that. So I 
started helping him to sell his products online and it was going very good you know we we started with the investment of 10000 rupees which is around like 2000 dollars or something and mm. uh, no 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 uh, $1000 so we started with $1000 and we started selling and it was doing very well so um, it started as helping the weaver but then it became my career and then i decided that i don't want to go back to a corporate job i want to continue with this job that is how uh, it happened accidentally for me <laughs> oh that's excellent and on yeah. the strength of that answer uh, when was that when did you know that sort of building a social enterprise would be a path for you that it just really resonated strong with you. Yeah. So uh, when I started, it was uh, the intention was market connectivity for the products which weavers were making. That was my uh, intention of starting Heritage Weaves. But then as uh, days went by and as we saw, uh, more than... Uh, Selling just the products to other people, not just the uh, market connectivity from the weaver to the people who would be buying directly. Uh, we realized that there has to be some mindset changes in the weavers as well as the buyers and lifestyle changes because only then this tradition would go to the next generation. Otherwise, it would be like just if you are creating market connectivity and livelihoods, it would be just uh, this generation. But if we have to take this to another generation or we have to preserve this uh, tradition and heritage of hand weaving, then we it has to be social enterprise. So tell us how that company sort of shaped in its mission and the value yeah. principles that you aligned in this social mission uh, through Heritage Weaves. Yeah, we started with trying to figure out how to sell the products which the weavers were doing. Uh, but then we realized the mission has to be how to protect this heritage, you know, because uh, we were competing with fast fashion. We still are competing with fast fashion, yes. which are much cheaper, you know, they are, they are mass produced. So they are much cheaper. So we are competing with that. Yeah. Uh, so the mission has to be we have to preserve this um, this handloom weaving mm -hmm. and also we have to educate the customers because fast fashion is so cheap. It is available so cheap. People uh, gravitate towards that. They want to buy that. And also there is season changing, right? Every three right, months, the season changes, the mm -hmm. trend changes. So people want to look fashionable. There is a misconception that if you're changing clothes every three months, you are trendy, you are exactly. happening and you are cool and all that. That is a misconception. Yes. But in case of hand looms, we, there are some products which we take three months just to make them. So we, we cannot go through seasons. We cannot change the designs every three months. Of course. So there, yeah. So we needed to change the perception of the customer as well as we had to protect this. We had to educate people. Why should we go with hand looms? You know, why it is important to preserve that culture 
and preserve that heritage and tradition of weaving through hands yes so yes. our mission is providing livelihoods for the weavers for this generation as well as protecting these weaving tradition also we want to take this to the next generation if uh, the weaver gets uh, uh, weaver is um, suitably rewarded financially then mm-hmm. he will allow his children to uh, do the weaving you know continue this tradition you said that if there's not a, you know viable income you know fair wages that you're finding yeah. that master weavers or generations of weavers don't want to take that forward and i think that uh, it's important for the next generation to have a sustainable income so that they can yeah. drive it forward and then you you mentioned changing the uh, perception fast fashion uh, is yeah. a it's a thorn everywhere um yeah. this sort of quick this trend this misinterpretation of values based in fashion uh and not thinking about what's behind it i i would love to ask uh, this is sort of an off question is what were some of the the tactics that you used to to change the perception uh you know you've got a weaver taking several months to make something really meaningful uh and valuable with sustainable materials and so forth and how do you in a in a short begin to change uh, the conversation or the narrative around the value uh, that goes into making an item that's handmade? So we focus on the quality, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, sustainable for us is the product should last longer so that there is not a mass production of the uh, products and a person who buys it, he need not buy again and again. they can buy less and quality products so uh, we use um, natural yarns cotton silk and it's hand woven and we also use good quality dyes and many times we use natural dyes which are uh, taken out of flowers leaves pomegranate peel indigo all these kind of thing which are good for your skin also and uh, they last longer and they are healthy also good for you and we give them uh, we give our customers lot of designs you know there is a variety of colors because nature is so varied we can get colors from so many places we get colors from leaves we get uh, colors from different kind of flowers some barks and uh, fruit peels yeah. so we give lots of variety in colors and it is good quality and uh, we design uh, give them give customers designs which are evergreen they do yeah. not go yeah. out of fashion yeah yeah i i also i just love you know the ideal and and that it's being applied uh, it, and it's been happening for quite some time of going to nature uh to really connect yeah. with the earth you know they're not only sustainable um you know they're part of the earth they're part of the fabric you're not interrupting the ecosystem you're actually extending it and i think that that's fantastic um i'd love to ask um uh, about the products uh that you're actually making at heritage weaves and then what services you you offer yeah so we uh, work with a craft called ikat i k a t ikat which is a resist dyeing technique the design is 
put on the yarn and then it is woven uh, on the loom pit loom it's called pit loom mm-hmm. so uh, that we work with ikat craft so we make ikat textiles which can be used uh, for apparel or which can be used for home furnishings then we make sarees then we make scarves and uh, all kind of textiles we make which can be used for apparel as well as home furnishings i'd love to to move on to talk about uh, the artisan community uh, culture and barriers you know where are you finding some of the more pressing challenges disrupting artisan communities like sort of that barrier between continuing handmade and craft and the tools uh, and the support that they need. Yeah. So uh, one of the challenge we have is this, like uh, people want to be trendy. So they want designs and colors. Like for example, uh, every year there's a forecast of a color, right? This year it's some purple. So uh, every year, some person sitting in France or Milan um says this is a color we have to use for this year so we can't keep up with that kind of a colors you know we use evergreen colors mm, so we we can't uh, we can't change with the trends and it takes a lot of time and also when you're using natural colors natural dyes mm-hmm. uh there are some colors which which cannot be made like when there is a fashion forecast we can't create the exact color exact exact shade because right. it comes from nature exactly so you're working in that way yeah the other challenges i'd love to ask about are, are more in terms of in addition to your design components as you mentioned you're working with nature and you can't necessarily keep up with uh trends that may be more international but i do think that that conscious buyer, uh, the kind of retailers and buyers uh, and brands that you're making connections with, I think that they're interested in a more conscious product and really are coming because of that connection to nature, to sustainability, and of course, um, being mindful of the earth and how you use its materials. That disruption in artisan communities, what's that barrier for perhaps funding? What's that barrier in galvanizing artisan communities to create workshops and working with NGOs? Has that been, is that a challenge or are we losing um, groups of artisans due to additional barriers that we may not know about? Uh, One uh, barrier is there is a misconception within people that if it comes from a weaver, it has to be at cheaper prices. Mm. When uh, people buy from a designer, they are willing to pay higher costs. But when it is from a weaver, they they want it at cheap cost because they think they are not using any investment. They are not using any machine. So it has to be cheap. But Mm. it is handmade and it takes a lot of time and it takes many years to perfect that craft. So they they have to be paid more. That is why then uh, financially it becomes viable. Mm-hmm. And one more challenge we are facing is a lot of people are just taking that motives, whatever traditional motives we have in Ikat, they mm-hmm. are taking those motives and printing them. So we have a lot of fake products. 
which are not ikat but they look like ikat they are printed like ikat but they are not the real products mm-hmm. so and they are mass produced they uh, prints are copied and they are mass produced so people who do not understand the craft they uh, have doubts why handlooms are expensive i understand so these kind of barriers we have otherwise like uh, we do not have problem with funds government also helps us and there are uh, like we can take loans and funding is not a problem but market connectivity is a problem customer need to understand and uh, why these handlooms are little expensive mm-hmm. because they are not mass produced and how they cannot change with every season i understand yes it it's yeah. um, well so it it it's i'm happy to see that there the funding uh barrier is not there that there's a greater understanding of why these initiatives uh need funding and support and it sounds yeah. like on the other end of education from you know what original ecot and what the original motifs look like uh then we just yeah. need to educate our conscious consumers uh in retailers about investing in those particular collections and not the copies kind of the fast printed um versions that really hold no value with the exception of just selling a lot that doesn't represent uh the true uh craft and so it's good to know that but the next thing i'd love to ask is um you know who are the artisans that you're working with who are they culturally and and what does that heritage uh bring to the craft how does it influence it yeah so indian um community was always divided into different communities like india uh was divided into like uh, one community which does only weaving and there were some communities which would do only pottery for the entire community and there would be some people who would be doing jewelry making so india was traditionally divided like that so i am working with the community which are called padmashali so they have been weaving handlooms uh, forever for many generations they have been doing so before india uh, uh, before british people came to india every indian was wearing handlooms there were no uh, textile mills everybody used to wear handlooms and handloom was thriving in fact after farming uh, weaving is the second um, uh vocation which uh, gives livelihood to indians mm. so after uh, british people came they introduced uh, textile mills and then lot of handloom weaving had to be stopped oh, but there yeah so in india earlier uh, on people used to wear only handlooms so now uh, these um, community called padmashali these are traditional weavers and they are Uh, close to hyderabad they live near hyderabad i am based in hyderabad of south india and my state is called telangana state God. so i am working with these weavers uh, who have been traditionally weavers and um, uh, they do natural yarns and they do ikat uh, craft 
I understand. And so really, you know, their, their influence. And, and so the culture is really something that's just been long standing uh, and yeah. known for the region. That's really, really interesting. And it just makes so much sense when I think about those 26 states of textiles. Uh, it's really great to sort of micro in on a, a specific region and a particular group that is doing um, a loom, uh, because once again, it's also about that education about weaving, about the culture, you know, once that product gets to a store and that buyer and retailer have to relay that story to a customer, these uh, details are so key in bringing the customer closer to the culture and having the appreciation for the product. And the other layer of that is understanding what they're paying for and why it's worth the investment in which I love to call um, green dollars. And so it's really great to get a bit of an understanding of that. You know, Joala, we are in the midst of, we're just kicking off Women's History Month. And I'd love to talk about uh, the role of artisan women in the handmade sector. Are artisan women gaining equality in South India, fair wages, leadership roles, education opportunities? What is that looking like now? It is uh, improving a lot earlier all through India. Uh, these kind of crafts were uh, taught from father to son. The girls were, though the girls used to contribute in production, like when the girls are young, like 10 years, 12 years, they learn how to do weaving because they are in that family, right? Everybody is doing mm-hmm. weaving, so they learn how to do weaving. But the trade secrets and all those things were not taught to the girls because they would get married and they would go to another family. Mm. But now it is changing. Now girls are also learning. uh, And the wages depend on what kind of task they take in the weaving. Like Because weaving has some 8 to 10 tasks. So uh, the wages depend on what task the women do. Usually what happens, the women take the simpler task because they have to take care. They are the caregiver for the family, right? Mm-hmm. They have to look after the family. They have to do uh, look after the house, cooking, everything. Uh, so they would take up simpler tasks like spinning and uh, uh, marking the design on the yarn, which gives lower wages. The dyeing in ikat, dyeing and weaving, these are the two tasks which get the most wages. So these tasks were done by men and the simpler tasks were done by women. That is why there was a difference between the wages. Uh, But now women are also taking weaving and dyeing is a physical intensive work. So Mm -hmm. usually men do it uh, because dyeing is hand dyeing. And um, it's done in big, um, you know, big um, tanks kind of thing with hand. So it was uh, physically little difficult for the women. So uh, they used to do simpler tasks. But now women are taking um, every kind of a task and they are taking leadership roles also. And education opportunities. uh, Recently, Indian government, they announced uh, that the children of the weaver will get free education in their design schools, which is like NIFT, which is called National Institute of Fashion Technology. Yes. Uh, The weaver's children will get free education, which costs around 
$20,000 for other people. But ah, this will be free of cost for weavers' children. And also, uh, they do not, this NIFT has around 23 branches across India. It has a branch in every state. So there is a big competition to enter these colleges, you know. There oh, is wow. entrance exams and all that. Yeah. I... Uh, so a lot of urban people compete with that, you know. People who are like educated in English medium and all that, very high class uh, uh, people's children who wants aspire to be designers and global designers and all that they compete for these admissions but now government has announced that weavers children will get free um, education in this institutes and also they need not compete with the other people oh that's excellent. they will get direct admission yeah, so that's yeah. why so it is a very good thing, you know. So, um, so the weavers can now become designers and they can earn more respectability. Like here, what happens is weaver is not given that kind of a respect, but mm -hmm. a designer is given more respect. So uh, if the weaver's children become designer, that respectability is earned. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love the fact that uh, they're being invested in. I and mean, very often, uh, as we know, in the past, it's been about sort of village life and yeah. you know, having your designs either taken or misappropriated and you, once again, not given the fair wage or the respectability that goes yeah. along uh, with the craft. And when you are actually really holding on to legacy and heritage uh, that is yeah. so important uh, and so identifies uh, the region globally. So I, I think that's a fantastic uh, initiative. Uh, tell me what your region represents in the textile landscape of South India. Yeah. So I am based in Hyderabad and my state is called Telangana state uh, in South India. So our area represents a um, um, craft called ikat, which is resist dyeing technique. And this ikat is produced um, not just in India, it is produced in Malaysia and Turkey and Thailand also. But we specialize in double liquor. There is something called double liquor, mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, which is more complex form of ikat. Double ikat is made only in India. And it is made in three places. One is Hyderabad, uh, one is Gujarat in India, and one more is Orissa. So these are the three places where double ikat is made. And our area specialization is called Pochampalli, mm. which has GI tag. Uh, we have, uh, our area has do, two GI tags. One is Pochampalli, uh, which is like, it can be single ikat or double ikat. And there is one more um, GI tag, which we have, which is called Telia Rumal. So, Telia Rumal is very special because, um, see, our weather is quite hot, right? Uh, in summers, it goes to uh, 40 degrees centigrade and above also. So, uh, in olden days, uh, these fabrics were woven with some medicinal oils which would keep the fabric cooler. Wow, very Yeah, so that, that is where the name came. Telia Rumal. Telia means in Hindi, it is called oily. 
we mm. call oil as tail and rumal means scarf so we used to make scarves with these medicinal oils woven into those scarves which would keep the head cooler you know men yeah. used to wear it on their head to keep it cooler when there were no air conditioners wow that's that what yeah a, so now yeah. Uh, that that technique uh, of using oil mm-hmm. uh, last two generation it has been lost nobody is using those medicinal oils they have most of the weavers even do not know how to use those oils and weave into the scarf because nobody um, is using those scarves so that art is dying oh, we are just here. Yeah. yeah yeah so my my organization heritage weaves we are trying to revive we are trying to just continue with the motives whatever motives and technique mm-hmm. was there we are trying Uh, to continue that designs into different fabrics it's great to learn those things about the textiles and that's and i once again hope that you're able to revitalize that lens on infusing the oil into the textiles um I'd love to move on to talk about your textile tours. Uh, we know that Heritage Weave has introduced these tours, and I know that they're on my bucket list. Uh, I'd love to talk about this experience uh, because it has greatly inspired today's conversation uh, as it provides a deeper connection for the artisan world. So um, what does it, the tour include? Currently, we are doing one-day tour. One-day tour is we take... Um, the craft enthusiast to place where we do the weaving and we explain and give a demo of whatever uh, steps there are around nine steps in making a ikat fabric so we uh, show them and explain the history of ikat and how uh, differentiate how uh, different kinds of ikat like weft ikat warp ikat single ikat double ikat telia rumal and vegetable dyes all this we explain and we give them a demo of how it is made then we also have five day tour where uh, we take them to the areas around hyderabad where there are different crafts we don't work with those artisans but we would love to showcase that to other people craft enthusiasts so uh, we have um, something called kalamkari which is hand painting with natural dyes then we have a paithani sari which is mostly used in uh, weddings you know they are like glittery kind of thing woven with gold zari and all that so those kind of things so we have this five day tour and we also have 15 day tour where we oh. take people around uh, around um, my state of telangana telangana and andhra pradesh there are lot of crafts we wow. take them everywhere yeah. yeah india is very rich in handlooms um so we take them to all these places and show them how different crafts are made and uh, our intention is to uh, show designers and sustainable brands and stores and wholesalers and uh, retailers of these handlooms to understand how to differentiate uh, these fabrics 
and how these uh, fabrics are made what kind of effort goes what kind of technique goes into this and what kind of people make this you know mm-hmm. and also uh, when we show them we also show uh, how we are protecting the earth like there is uh, zero carbon emission and that's a great point i love that we are learning more and more about your sustainable value principles in the tours that you're providing yeah. for uh, buyers retailers and travelers and and uh, and craft enthusiasts in that tour is it, it i mean does a bus pick them up is there lunch provided uh and when they go to a particular group say when they're at heritage weaves that tour taking an hour is it taking a couple hours you know what is that sort of interaction like in in that time if a buyer and retailer are coming on such a tour on site with you yeah so if it's a one day tour we pick them up in the morning and mm-hmm. then uh, we take them to the weavers place in a bus and then we uh, give them lunch food food or uh, whatever they want whatever is required for the day uh, we provide them and then we drop them back into a decided place it could be an airport or it could be a train station okay Perfect. that is one day tour but and if it is a one month tour or a 15 day tour then we arrange for their stay also and mm-hmm. also uh, the customers can choose to live with the weavers also weavers have some place yeah, yeah uh, they can experience the rural life you know how a weaver lives so weavers uh, uh, the customers can choose to live with the weavers with them Oh wow. For 15 days. Yeah. yeah. Kind of a residency in the village in the community. Yeah, Very that good. that that will be a choice that the customers can decide if they want to do that because see in the villages uh the they do not have so much facilities. Of course. Like people who come from different countries like if somebody is traveling from USA or New York um the villages will not have that kind of a facilities of course of course yeah that's a yeah so and, it, it is a choice of course if somebody wants to experience that rural life and uh, eat their food they they are willing to they are very warm people you know weavers are very warm people uh, you can just walk into their house and they will welcome you with a big smile Oh, of so, so they have places and they would love to feed people you know indians love feeding people you know our food and all that uh, amazing so if yeah if somebody wants to experience that rural life with the weavers and artisans they are more than welcome Uh, so okay so that's another option for uh the tour if you're going to participate uh, the the other question that i love to ask is that you know of course the pandemic and the challenges that uh come around that for this particular initiative with the tours um how yeah. have you enhanced uh uh safety measures for uh traveling buyers and retailers yeah so uh the weavers we work with they work from their home uh they they work from home and especially because we are working with women and women have to take care of their families look after the house and then do work also so we have set up loom or dyeing facility everything around the houses so uh you will not have crowd and we are sanitizing the houses also 
of the weaver's house before there is a tour and after there is a tour and we are taking care that um, too much crowd is not there Mm. and are you fun? and all the weavers are vaccinated they okay, are double that's vaccinated that's a good yeah. that's a great point uh to bring up yeah. uh for our audience that, that those measures have been taken and a last question on that are um when the tours take place just in the yes. moment of where we are right now are people yeah. wearing masks in india a mask is required Okay, perfect. Okay. And uh, we can we can, we do have extra masks so we can provide masks. Masks are required and we will provide sanitizers. Mm-hmm. And we provide hygienic food if they want food we we actually arrange food uh, through the tours. So it will be hygienic places and hygienic food. Ah. So nothing to worry about that. <laughs> and mask is compulsory in India even now everywhere. Anywhere in India, mask is compulsory and vaccination is also compulsory. So most of the people have uh, taken double vaccinations. Oh, so that's not a problem. Yeah. Fantastic. It's, it's good. It's good to know um, about that. Uh, that is a concern uh, no matter where we are. So it's great to see that we're all on board and moving forward uh, in protecting ourselves and the world is becoming healthier. So I'm encouraged. Um, I'd love to uh, loop back very briefly to your conscious value uh, principles. Um, You know, we've all heard the the quote, um, you know, do you know who's made your clothes? It's been a well-noted tagline in conscious fashion and the handmade sector at large. Uh, I'd love to ask, uh, why has it been so important to you uh, to bridge the understanding and awareness for uh, buyers and retailers uh, with artisans, uh, the importance of that? See, one thing is, uh, this is our tradition. This is an Indian tradition. And like I told you before, British people came, everybody in India used to wear handlooms. And handlooms is still the second largest um, livelihood provider for Indians. But because of fast fashion, because people do not understand handlooms, the newer generation, I think my mother's and my grandmother's generation uh, wore only handlooms. But my generation and the newer generation who are coming millennials and um, uh, Gen Z, as we call them, <laughs> they uh, do not understand handlooms. You know, they want everything fast. That's what I feel. So they do not understand why a fabric takes three months to make and all those things. And they, they want new things every day. They want everything fast. So uh, it is important that the next generation also buys these kind of products, understands these kind of products. Otherwise, this tradition will die. Like the Telia Rumal where medicinal oils uh, and herbs were used. Now that that has become extinct. Nobody is using that. So similarly, if there is no buyer for these kind of products, then slowly the weavers will also shift to other kind of um, jobs, you know. They will shift and they will leave this craft. So this craft will die, which is soul of India. It it is our identity and Mm -hmm. it is who we are. It, It has history. So all that will go. It will become like dinosaur, you know. One, yeah, then after three, four generations, people will just talk that we have 
uh, textile museums. We have some textile museums. So all this art will be just in textile museums and uh, people will have to go to museum to see this. So we, it is important that we cannot kill a part of our heritage, right? It has yeah. to go through. It has to be taken to the next generation. So that's so important that the next generation also sees how it is made. What is our history? There is a history to that. Of course. I mean, it, I, so that that is so important. Yeah, you, you couldn't have said it better. I think, you know, preserving craft, uh, the, the legacy, the heritage and uh, and something really powerful out of what you said is that if we don't continue to preserve, um, to save the craft, craft that are at risk, uh, we will end up one day only seeing them in a museum. And uh, and I think that we can't have that. We have to definitely uh, continue on this path. Uh, and making sure that handmade is present and represented and um, moved through uh, generations. And so I thank you for the work that you're doing uh, to participate uh, in that legacy. Um, I knew that this conversation would be informative. It would be all these wonderful uh, layers of information and, and even a wonderful education uh, for myself. I've had the privilege of uh, traveling to India only once, and I was on the other side uh, Mumbai, Calcutta, and going out to the countryside. And it was amazing. So I can only imagine being able to experience uh, the other regions which are on the list. Uh, I'd love to ask, uh, you know, in that, what can we look forward to from Heritage Weaves in 2022? Uh, uh, we are working on new kind of textiles, which is uh, hemp, we want to be more sustainable, so we have developed few textiles and we are experimenting with um, hemp yarn. We only use natural yarns like cotton, uh, pure silk and linen. So now we want to experiment with hemp. And also we have been experimenting uh, textiles with banana fiber and green leafy vegetables and lotus fiber. We are working on lotus silk and uh, making fabrics with from uh, green leafy vegetables and also banana fabric. Oh, so these nice. are the things. Yeah. So we want to be more sustainable. And also we want to revive this uh, natural dyes, you know, vegetable dyes, because mm -hmm. there is so much chemical everywhere. We want to um, improve the uh, you know quantity of fabrics we are making in natural dyes of course and, yes. yeah and also we want to um, start maybe one month tour for people who are traveling from usa and other places out of the country out of india if somebody wants to come to india uh, we are uh, curating a one month craft tour where we will be uh, uh, taking them to each state and we'll be focusing on handlooms. There are many crafts in India, but uh, we want to focus on handlooms be because we are into handlooms. So we will be taking uh, the people to around 23 states and educating them about the handlooms woven in each different places. Wow, that's that is amazing. I, I'll put a plug in for um, perhaps also putting together some one week or ten day tours uh, that sure. you know buyers and retailers and travelers can experience. But to 
imagine to spend a month would be incredible. It's like a sabbatical uh, in yeah. being able to come and spend that time. Um, you know, as I said, Joala, I um, I am so happy that we were able to finally uh, have this conversation. It is such a privilege to have you uh, here on this series of Journeys and Narratives in Global Handmade um, because we are just traveling through conversation and you've brought us closer uh, to South India and your region and your craft and the mission. And for that, we truly appreciate the time. So Dan Dondrell, thank you so much for inviting me here. And uh, I thank uh, New York Now for this wonderful podcast. I'm very happy to share uh, about my work with you all. Well, it was our pleasure and we thank you for joining us and we will be staying tuned, um, you know, to follow, to see what's happening before we, before I forget, um, I want to know how can listeners stay connected with you? Can you share your social media and website with us? Yeah, my website is heritageweaves.com. You can also connect with me on my Instagram handle, which is heritageweaves. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, Ujwala Pasla, U-J-W-A-L-A-P-A-S-L-A. Or uh, you can send me an email on heritageweavesonline at gmail.com. Fantastic. And, and for our listeners, I will definitely, um, at the end of the podcast, do a recap of Joala's uh, social media channels and also additional contact information for you. And thank you for joining us. The Stories of Textiles in India is one of the oldest in the world. The earliest surviving Indian cotton threads date back to around 4000 BC. And dyed fabrics and others from the regions are documented as far back as 2500 BC. India's textiles were so central to its identity abroad that in ancient Greece and the Babylon, the names of India were shorthand for cotton. Indian textiles are embedded in every aspect of its identity. Courtly splendor was proclaimed by magnificent fabrics in religious worship still find expression through cloth. The global trade systems are formed to export of Indian fabrics and handmaking cloths continue to shape India today. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Journeys and Narratives in Global Handmade. To learn more and connect with Heritage Weaves, visit heritageweaves.com and follow on Instagram at heritageweaves. Thank you for listening to the New York Now podcast. Make sure to tune in weekly for engaging and insightful conversations, touching on the most relevant topics facing our community today. Visit NewYorkNow.com to learn more about our market and how you can join in on the conversation.